Glad you're here. We're going to get started. I just noticed this. I was walking in. I was looking. It looks like 99% of people sit exactly on Wednesday night where they do on Sunday morning. That's how big of a creature of habit we are. Uh, great supper tonight. What an awesome supper. Why don't we tell them thanks for our supper. Good job on all that. <laughs> want to encourage you. We've got uh, the invitation cards out in the foyer. If you know somebody, maybe a friend, maybe a co-worker, maybe somebody on your street or your family member uh, that you would like to invite to our Easter service, the cards are out there. Pick up two, three, four of those and hand write them an invitation. Send them those and invite them to join us uh, for Easter Sunday. Also at our Welcome Center, there's a small card that tells you how you can pray for our Easter service, how you can pray for our Easter effort. Be sure and grab one of those uh, on your way out if you haven't grabbed one of those already. And then I want to encourage you, uh, be in prayer for Easter, be in prayer uh, for those that would come, those that would hear. Uh, it's an interesting thing to look into the folks that will come, uh, generally not most of the year, but will come on Easter. And you know what? We have good news uh, of a risen Savior to share with them on that day, so be in prayer for that effort. Then, uh, starting the very next Sunday, we're going to start a verse-by-verse study. Uh, hopefully you've heard of that through the book of Revelation. And so be in prayer for that study that God's going to be able to speak uh, and, and we're going to be blessed as we as we travel through the book of Revelation. So be in prayer for that effort as well. Uh, let me start us off with a word of prayer tonight. Dear Father, we come. We're thankful for today. We're thankful for a good day. We're thankful for a gracious, good God. We're thankful for the fellowship of a church. We're thankful for the Word of God that leads us and grows us and and points us to our Savior Jesus. We're thankful for a risen Savior, an enduring hope, a peace that the world can't give, doesn't even understand. We're thankful, and so we praise you for those things. Lord, I pray as we come and assemble tonight to study your word, I pray for our kids' classes. I pray for attentive ears. I pray for a foundation to be stacked piece by piece. I pray for our youth meeting tonight, exact same thing in a, in a world where there's so many uh, arguments counter to uh, the Word of God, trying to discredit the Word of God. I pray that their foundation is built upon tonight. I pray for our adult classes meeting tonight as well, that you would uh, be known and, and that you would teach and you would speak uh, through the study of your Word tonight. Lord, we pray that you speak to us in this lesson tonight, and I pray that tonight is a blessing to us and is pleasing to you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, tonight we're continuing on. We're in Lesson 43. Uh, we're in a section of Psalms. Uh, we had an overview of the Psalms, and then we're going through uh, a psalm of each of the type of Psalms that we find in the Hebrew songbook recorded in our Bible. Uh, tonight we're going to talk about songs of lament. Now, I want you to start off tonight by thinking. I'm going to ask a question. That don't a you don't have to answer out loud, uh, but I want you to start to think about this question as we move into our study tonight. The question is this, what is the hardest thing that you've ever walked through? And there, there's probably some folks that can say, you know, it was the, the loss of a spouse or the loss of a child or a change of career or, or some unexpected thing or maybe the result of some sin. Uh, the hardest thing that you've ever walked through. I want you to think about that. Hardest thing you've ever walked through. Here are some questions. Again, do not answer out loud. In that process, did you question God? Did you wonder, God, what's going on? I don't understand this. Uh, did you maybe get mad? Did you get mad at yourself? Did you get mad at somebody else? 
Did you get mad at God? God, I don't like this. I don't understand this. Um, Did you get closer to God in that ordeal? I think sometimes there's things that can make us closer to God. Maybe it drove you away from God. Maybe you're upset and it pushed you further away from God. Here's another question. Are you over it? Are you over that thing? Have you walked through it and you can say, you know what, I've, I've passed through that and that's a thing in the past? Or is it something you're still dealing with, something you're still thinking about? Um, maybe it's too early in the process. Maybe you could give an answer. But maybe uh, the question is, has God used that thing? And, and you can look back and say, you know what, um, God worked through that. God moved through that. And he, he promises to work all things to, for good for those that love him. And he absolutely did. And he was faithful in that. Are you able to say, you know what, God used that thing. I want you to think about those things as we move through our study tonight. Our key verses tonight, we're going to be in Psalm 143. Psalm 143. The key points tonight from our worksheet, uh, contrary to the pictures that some may paint, and that's a very common thing, the Christian life will include times of trouble, pain, and even despair. There are some that would say, you know what, if you'll walk with Christ, if you just know Christ, uh, your life's going to get better and things are going to shape up and your hard times are going to fade away. Well, the truth is the Christian life is going to include hard things, tough things, uh, times of great pain. It is in those times that we worship God by turning to him for help. Now hear that again. We actually worship God by turning to him for help. That's what we're going to see in our study tonight. Tonight we're in Psalms of Lament. All right, think about this. Sometimes we picture worship only as times of joy and celebration. And when someone were saying, oh, let's go to church. We're going to worship. Can't wait for our worship service this, this weekend. Uh, we, we envision times of worship as times that are happy, that they're loud, that maybe they have a, a celebratory uh, atmosphere, that we're active in that. Uh, and the truth is that worship can be like that, and many times it is like that, or it can also be in the opposite of that. It can be in quiet times. It can be in times of reflection. Uh, it can be found in times of hurt and times of despair as well. Well, Psalms of Lament, songs of Lament, they are cries to God during episodes of great trouble and despair. So these are a good chunk of the Psalms that we find recorded. They are cries out to God during times of trouble and despair. Now, as you go through them, it's weird that the causes to those troubles are varied. There's different causes. You might have a hard time, and it's the result of your own sin. You know what? I've messed things up. I've sinned, and I've brought hard things, hard times upon myself. You could be going through hard times, and it can be the result of somebody else's sin. They've messed up. They've done these things, and they've caused me a lot of trouble. Or it could just be from the fact that we live in a fallen world. You know what? There are things in this world that are tough. You know what? Uh, this, this isn't uh, the, the, the fullness of God's kingdom right now. And there's tough things here. And so maybe the things we're dealing with are just the, the things that come from living in a fallen world. Now, the truth is much of life is hard and tough. Much of life is hard, is tough, is painful. The word lament, I think is a very interesting word. The word lament 
actually means to complain. And I think sometimes we think, well, you shouldn't complain. Now, why are you always complaining? Well, this is actually to complain. Now, it's not a bad thing to complain. We need to know who we're complaining to. Another, another definition for the word lament means to deplore. So these are songs of complaining. They're also songs that are expressions of what we deplore. To deplore means to hate. And I, I think that's a big thing. You know what? There are things that we hate. You know what? I, 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 you go through the death of someone. I don't know anybody that says, I love this. We hate that. That's terrible. I don't want to do that again. It's tough diagnosis. Uh, tough things you're walking through. You know what? I hate that. I don't want to do this again. Don't want to go back there again. And so it actually means songs of things we hate, songs that we are complaining about. Here's, here's what I want to start off. Do you think, do we think, sometimes hurt and despair and pain that those things are opposite of worship? And have you been trained that to have those things must be a sign of a faulty faith? You have a weak faith. If you had a better faith, you wouldn't be so sad. You wouldn't be facing these troubles. If you just believed the right things, you wouldn't have to endure these hard things. Have we been trained to think that sadness, despair, trouble, problems are the opposite of worship? I think a lot of times we start the process of going, we've got to get from there over to happy town, and if we can get to happy town, then we can start to worship. And so if you can get over your sadness, if you can get over your despair, then we'll get to a place that we can worship in. Um, I think a lot of folks think the goal is to never be sad, to never admit that you're going through troubles, to never say, I don't want to do this, I hate this. Uh, that's actually not real. And so listen, life has trouble, life has problems, life has pain, and it, that is a real admission. That's how it works. And so, so it's, a, it's a goofy thing to say, well, we've got to get that put away before we can worship. We're actually going to see that worship occur, occurs during those times. All right, so we're going to look at Psalms of Lament. This is a particular kind of psalm. The one that we're going to look at tonight is Psalm 143. Psalm 143, and so we're just going to work through it. We're going to work verse by verse. We're going to talk about it as we go, and this is going to be our example of a song of lament. All right, Psalm 143, beginning in verse 1, says this. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. Answer me in your faithfulness and in your righteousness. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. Answer me in your faithfulness, in your righteousness. Now, when I first read verse 1, it may seem strange like the singer or the psalmist is telling God what to do. And when you read it, it sounds like, answer my prayer, hear my prayer. And it sounds like maybe he is telling God what to do. Well, that's not what's happening at all. This is a strong call for God to answer. Um, Listen to this. There is great wisdom in knowing who to turn to. There is great wisdom. And so this psalm, psalmist, this songwriter, is actually very wise and says, God, I've got to have an answer. God, I need you to hear this prayer. I'm not turning to the world. We turn to the world. 
I'm not going out scrambling around looking for an expert. We do not turn to the experts. I'm not going to tell some friend and hope they can provide an answer. The psalmist, their trust is in God. Their anchor is tied to God, and so they cry out to God. So listen, this is a good thing. This is a very wise person that says, God, my answer is going to be from you. My hope is in you. I need you to hear and answer my prayer. I want you to see this. There's a pattern, and, and I, I don't know. This pattern's been going for several years. Um, the pattern is this. To trust God and find peace in God, you have to know who God is. And so it's in knowing who God is that you find peace, that you find strength, that you find encouragement. Well, he starts off in verse 1 and he says, God is faithful and God is righteous. I, I can't stress that enough. When things get hard, if you don't know who God is, uh, you're going to be tossed around like a ship out on the sea. You have to know he is trustworthy, he is faithful, he is kind, he is gracious, he is powerful, he answers prayer. When you know who God is, you can sit back and say, you know what, my trust is in the Lord. So, verse 1 is a call out to God, it is a wise trust in God, and it starts with the psalmist telling us he knows attributes of God. All right, verse 2. Verse 2 is very interesting. And do not enter into judgment with your servant, for in your sight no man living is righteous. Now, verse 2, I think, is a very interesting verse. Um, the answer is going to come because God is good and he's gracious and he answers. It does not come because I am good or you are good. So we do not deserve an answer. That's not why he answers. Uh, we do not deserve God to do something for us. That's not why he answers. Um, it's actually in spite of it. Um, it's on the merit of God that he answers, not on our own merit. Many psalms have this same pattern. Remember Psalm 51. Psalm 51, the psalmist says, my sin is ever before me. So he doesn't come and say, answer my prayer because I'm a big deal. He says, I'm messed up. I'm a sinner. I know my sin. I need you to answer. Here's the truth. This, if you ever want to put stuff on a bumper sticker, here's something for a bumper sticker. When we find ourselves needing help, we do not need a judge, we need a Savior. We do not need a judge, we need a Savior. Do you know, what if God showed up and he said, well, yeah, you got trouble, you're dumb as a rock. Well, yeah, you got trouble, you screw everything up. Well, yeah, how would you not have trouble? Look what you've done. Do you not remember last year when I got you out of this? When we're in trouble, you know what? We do not need a judge. We need a Savior. You know what? Our God is a gracious, kind Savior. Um, that's an awesome thing. It's not deserved by us. So in verse 2, he's basically saying, when you come to help, I know I've messed up. I do not need a judge. Please, Lord, I need a Savior. Isn't that our gospel? Isn't that the, the good news of our gospel? You know what? I'm condemned to my sin already. You know what I need? I need a Savior. That's what we have in Jesus. Verse 3. For the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in dark places like those who have long been dead. Uh, verse 3. The singer is very open, is very honest, and he reports his terrible condition. He says there is an enemy, a vile enemy, 
He has persecuted his soul. He has crushed his life to the ground. He has left them as good as dead, is what it says. Here's the deal. It is a very honest thing to admit that people can hurt us and injure us um, physically, mentally, and greatly. Um, the, the tough spot that this songwriter finds himself, he's not embarrassed to tell us. I've been persecuted. I've been crushed. I'm as good as dead. Um, and he's very um, open and very honest in telling us the issue. Here's, here's something I, I want us to think about. If someone hurts us, injures us, wrongs us, what, our, what are our usual responses? And I, I'll tell you two, and I, there may be several others, but when somebody wrongs us, hurts us, injures us, betrays us, pick your thing, we generally have a couple of responses. The first is to attack them and say, well, they're a low life, they're no good, they have no character, and we want to turn people against them. That's, it's tit for tat, you say this, I say that, you hit me on this side, I'll hit you on that side. That's one of our responses. The other response, now most of us don't go around in crazy conflict all the time. The other response is this, to say, no big deal, didn't hurt me, I don't care, I didn't even notice, and to downplay the trouble. And so, you know what, there's great trouble, and it's, it's hurt us, and it's injured us, and caused us great issue, and we say, well, I don't know, it wasn't that big of a deal to me, I, I'm, I'm not suffering. Verse 3 says, I've had my soul crushed, I've had my heart broken, I've been stomped on, I'm as good as dead, and he's very open and honest in his complaint. Remember, it is a song of complaint. Well, guess what? He complains. All right, verse 4. Therefore, my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart is appalled within me. My spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart is appalled within me. Verse 4 now tells us the emotional damage of the ordeal. Uh, the Hebrew word here tells of a sense of defeat and dread. And I, I think that's a pretty good, you know, those are God's words, so they're going to be pretty good. But you know what? You ever get in such a bad spot that you just don't want to get up? You don't want to face it. You don't want to deal with it. I'll just go do something else. I'll ignore it. Um, that is this sense of defeat. There's no purpose. Can't win this situation. Don't know why I even try. And that's, it's a sense of defeat and dread. And that word appalled is it's shocking. I never thought they'd betray me like that. I never thought I'd see stuff like that. I never thought I could cause so much trouble in my own life. I'm appalled at how crazy this guy. Shocked. Um, it, it really is this. It is utterly too much. And so verse 4 of the songwriter says, it's just too much. I don't care anymore. I don't see any point in this. I don't understand it. <clears throat> it is utterly too much. Verse 5. I remember the days of old. I meditate on your doings. I muse on the work of your hands. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your doings. I muse on the work of your hands. All right, verse 5 tells us, and we've seen it several times in our study, 
verse 5 tells us the source of our faith. Now, how do you have a great faith? How does your faith grow? Sometimes I think, well, I wish my faith was like theirs, or I wish I had a greater faith, or I wish I had a stronger faith. Well, how does your faith grow? Our faith grows and is strengthened when we remember God, when you remember who he is and what he's done. And so the songwriter says, I remember the things you've done in the past. I remember the days of old. I remember when I thought I wasn't going to make it, and you never left me, never ever forsaken me. I remember we didn't know what we were going to do, and you provided the way. And he remembers the days of old. I remember we got to the Red Sea, and that dadgum deal opened up, and we went across it. I remember when we had no food, and guess what? We woke up in the morning, and there was manna on the ground. I remember the days of old. I remember the God that did those things. Your faith will grow, and it will be strengthened as you remember what God has done, and you remember who he is, the God that did those things. The, the word there is ponder. I muse on the work of your hands. It is a word that means I ponder, I think about, I consider. I consider what you've done. I, I want to try something for you. What is something great God has done for you? What is something, and I, I start to go, if you actually start listing it, the list is too great. It's a pretty big list. Now, we might get so short-sighted, we start to think, well, there's a lot of bad things, too. Um, what has God done? Who has God been to you as a blessing to you? And I, anybody can just holler out. Salvation. Forgiveness of sin. You didn't earn that. Anybody else? Brought you through a heart surgery. Praise the Lord. Brought you through a heart surgery. Anybody else? Something good God's blessed you with. Praise the Lord. Bobby's been sick. God's never left, never forsaken, walked with him in church Sunday. Anybody else? A wonderful church to go to. Do you know, I know folks, and I, I'm just, I'll just be honest with you, they can't find a church. I, I got a sister, I got a brother, and they say, we've been here, we've been there, and I got other friends, and they say, I live in this town, and, and I've been to 10 churches, and, and we are blessed in the fellowship we have. I promise you that. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord. I just start making a list, and I, I can go on and on and on. Um, you know what, I, I, I tell this story. If you've been around me, you've heard a story a hundred times, and you're going to say, oh, he always tells that story. You know, a great day. Sometimes I like to think about great days. Um, a great day, the, the very first baby we have is Sarah. And y'all are like, oh, I've heard this story, but I'm going to tell it to you anyway. Um, my friend, a guy named Ken Collins, had a daughter. And he came to my house, and he had about 200 pictures. And... and, and Carrie, I don't think Carrie might have been pregnant uh, with Sarah, but he comes over and we're sitting there and I, I'm sitting on the couch and Ken comes over with this big old stack of pictures. And I'm like, oh boy, what in the heck? And he says, here she is in yellow. Here she is in a car. 
Look at her on the floor. She's with our dog. And I'm going, golly, that's 40 pictures, 50 pictures. Look at her in pink. Look at her eating green food. Look at this spoon she had. Look at her sippy cup. And I literally was sitting there, and Carrie was sitting there, and I was like, Ken has lost his mind. He has literally lost his mind. And I'm like, he was a good guy, too, and he just lost his mind. All right, move on six months. Sarah's born, and they, they hand you this little girl. And I don't, I can't, some of you know what I'm talking about. And in a split instant, you've never loved somebody that much. You can't imagine something that awesome. You can't, I can't imagine how do her lips already look like that? How do they work? How do her feet look like that? And I instantly pick her up, and, and I carry out a C-section, so she's all tied down, and I'm crying, trying to show her, going, look at this. And I instantly felt bad for all the other dumb people that didn't have kids as awesome as that. And I remember going to the nursery thinking, man, look at all these ugly kids, and look at this one, and look at these kids. They're not even doing smart things, and she's already smiling. And, and I thought, you know what? Here's what I left. There is a God, and he is gracious, and he is kind, and he is good. And this is not a chemical reaction. And all of a sudden, I thought, I'm going to have more pictures than Ken's going to have. This is her on the way home. This is her in her child seat. This is her in a yellow thing. You know what? Just start with that. God is good. God is gracious. God is kind. God is forgiving. He is powerful. All of the gracious things, all of the good things. Um, when you start to think about that, when you start to look at what God's done in Scripture, a Savior, the forgiveness of sin, you know what? You can't help but have a turning in your strength going. If that God did that, you know what? What do we have to worry about today? That was off on a rabbit trail. We'll get back on track. All right, verse 6. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul longs for you as a parched land. Now, here's the deal. Hardship, grave hardship, stark hardship often serves to drive us to God. When you go through hard times, now sometimes you can get mad and walk away, but a lot of times the hard things drive us to God. I think it's interesting sometimes people who don't even know God turn to God. Um, I, this year, this was a weird thing. That guy, the football player gets hit, boom, he takes a step back and he dies on the field. I'm going to tell you what, there were some hoodlums that broke out in revival. And people started praying, and they're saying, the Facebook fills up with people praying. Congressmen that have been passing bad laws start praying. And you go, you know what, in hard stuff, people turn to God. In this, this, this psalmist says, you know what, this is hard, and I'm turning to God. Here's something. A lot of times we're dumb and we wait till we've exhausted all the other answers. I tried to fix it. You tried to fix it. We thought they could fix it. End of the rope, and all of a sudden we turn to God. A better thing would be to turn to God very quickly as the trouble arises. And I think if we could ever get where, hey, it hadn't rained in a while. God, you know what? You send rain on the, the good and the, the bad, the righteous and unrighteous, and you know what? We need a rain. You know what? Hey, Somebody's sick. You know what, God, you're faithful and you're the great physician and we're going to turn to you. If we would get better at quickly turning to him, how much better would that be? And then I took it to another level. What if we got where we walked so close to God, we didn't have to go back to God? And you know what? I'm just going to walk with him. I'm not going to make a left turn. I'm not going to get into crazy town and have to come back. I'm just going to walk with him. 
And so when the trouble hits, I just go, hey, I've been walking with him, and he's right here. Hard times drive us to God. Verse 7. Answer me quickly, O Lord, my spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, or I will become like those who go down to the pit. Verse 7, I want you to think about this. It's, it's what you were talking about a little bit. What are we without God? That's what verse 7 is pointing out. What if you didn't have his power? What if he didn't have his grace? What if he wasn't faithful? He is. But what if he wasn't? God, I'm as good as dead is what the verse is. I'm like a person that goes down to the place of death if you do not answer. Here's my, here's my thought. I don't know. I don't, I don't have an answer. Do you ever wonder about people who do not walk with God? And I go to funerals, and I can tell if somebody knows Christ or not by how they act at a funeral, and, and they're falling on the ground, they can't breathe, and they can't take it. And you know what? No one here knew Christ, and this is the end. It's hopeless for them. How do you go through a heart surgery and not go, God? You actually said that during the process. How do you go through the loss of somebody? How do you raise kids and not know God? I don't, I'm not tough enough, and I'm not smart enough, and I'm not strong enough to say, you know what, I'll just get it on my own. We're, we have no hope outside of God, the graciousness of Christ, the power of our God. Who are we without God? Verse 7. All right, verse 8. Let me hear your loving kindness in the morning, for I trust in you. Treat me, teach me the way I should walk in. Verse 8, I think, is my favorite verse of the whole set tonight. Let me hear your loving kindness in the morning, for I trust in you. Teach me the way in which I should walk, for I lift, for to you I lift up my soul. All right, verse 8 shows us this pattern. In times of deep stress, in times of deep trouble, when we feel overwhelmed, we find God's mercy in steps of obedience which means this, God's not trying to give us something we can't do. He's not trying to punish us by giving us a way to live. He's actually saying, if you will practice this, it's the best way to live. If you'll do your marriage like this, it's the best way to live. If you'll handle your finances like this, it's the best way to live. He's actually saying, you know what, there's mercy, there's goodness, there's breathing room in walking in obedience. And so when times are crazy and tough and difficult, God says, best thing you can do right now is walk with me. Now, here's what I figured out. Most of the time, God does not give us an elaborate plan to walk with, which means this. Most of the time, he doesn't come up and say, do this this week, and in October, do this, and next year, do this, and next year, do that, and then you're going to get out of that, and then this is going to get better. He, he generally doesn't give you an exhaustive, elaborate plan. He usually says, take that step. And you're like, hold on, I need four steps. If I could just see next week, do, am I still living by next week? Because if I can see that far, then I'll be ready. Lots of times he says, take the next step of obedience. And so you know what? We trust God. We seek out his word. What does he say do? And then you take the next step. And, 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 and you go, I don't, know what, I don't know what's after that. Take the next step. What has God said do? Or am I going to be obedient? You take the next step. Do you know what a series of steps become? It becomes a walk. And so, I, you know what? I want to walk with God. You know what? He didn't tell me. 
Here's the next six miles. He says, take the next step. And so, you know what? If I'm going to be obedient and I'm going to listen in this step, I'll take it. And you know what? He'll give me the next step. And I'm going to listen and I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to take it. And before long, I'm walking. Let me be very practical tonight. Where are you at right now? Maybe you're older. Maybe you're retired. Maybe you're younger. Maybe you're starting a family. Maybe you're in the midst of it. What's next for you? What's next for you? Listen, if you're still breathing, there's something going on. What's next for you? Where is God leading you? You ever think, where's God leading me? Um, I'm not sure of his will. And, and I sit there and go, I've always felt that. If he would tell me the next 44 things to do, I'd be the quickest checklist guy you ever saw. But he, he always just says, one step. So you're sitting there going, I don't know what his plan is. I don't know what this looks like a year from now. I don't know what five years looks like. You know what you do? You take the next step. Where is God led? What has he said? You take the next step. As you take steps, it turns into a walk. That's how he works. Verse 9. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. I take refuge in you. I, here's what I pulled out of verse 9. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. I take refuge in you. Notice this. Notice how enemies is now plural. When it started, it said, my enemy. My enemy has oppressed me. Now he says, enemies. Here's what I've noticed. Have you ever noticed this? Problems usually grow. <laughs> I think by verse 10, it's got to be winding down, doesn't it? No, he's also got more enemies. A lot of times, it comes in droves. Two things come. Six things come. Problems come. And they, they don't just come one and we get it all dealt with. They come in mass. I, I, I tell the story when my dad was very, very sick. Um, he had just one thing and one thing and another thing. And, and I remember he's in chemo. He comes out of chemo. He falls. Hits his teeth on the curb, knocks his teeth out, smashes his pacemaker on the ground. On, next thing, next thing, next thing. And he's in the hospital, and one of our friends got him a shirt that said, stick around, it gets worse. And we just laughed, and I go, isn't that life? Stick around. You think you got problems? Well, how about four problems? How about eight problems? Notice here, the enemies now have grown. Um, verse 9 is another clear mission. The answer is going to be found in God. God must deliver. God must save. His enemies have now multiplied. Troubles are big. And, and he's still going to walk with the same trust. Here's what I want to take out of that. Why do we rank our problems? And so now enemies are plural. So like, yeah, you got my attention now. I'm going to walk in obedience now. Why do we rank our problems? We think this. These are the problems I can handle these are the, the problems I'll trust God with. Do you know what? All of the problems we should trust God with. We don't have to wait till the enemies have multiplied to start walking in obedience. Trust God. Walk with God. Walk into small problems. Maybe you'll avoid some of the big problems. Walk with God. We do not rank our problems. We walk in obedience and trust. All right, verse 10. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. All right, verse 10 is a readmission of the truth of verse 8. God is good. His plan is best. He's not trying to punish us. Take the next step with him. He's trustworthy in it. 
That's what it's saying. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Teach me to do your will. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. Teach me to do your will. Notice the word teach. Um, That means it is a process. What if he said, you are saved and now you'll carry out my will? That's not how it works. He says, teach me your way. We're going to learn. We're going to grow. We're going to say, you know what? I walked those steps and God blessed them. And so I'm going to walk some more steps. I didn't walk in obedience and I crashed. Teach me to do your will. It is a learned response. Do you think there's a difference in glad submission? That's what the singer here, he's saying, I got problems, walk with God. Problems getting bigger, walk with God. God is righteous, he is trustworthy, walk with God. Do you think there is a difference in glad submission? He's at a place of glad submission now. God says, do it, I'm going to do it. Is there a difference in glad submission and reluctant submission? Is there a difference in glad submission? Okay, you say do it, I'm doing it. And reluctant submission, I I think about this. Maybe, I'm pretty much talking about me, but maybe I'm talking about you. We learn by getting our teeth kicked in. And, And instead of saying, God said do it, I did it, here we go. We say, I don't know, maybe I'll do part of it. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll get to it next year. And we crash and we burn and we show up and our teeth are kicked in and we look like we got thrown out of a moving car and you're like, yeah, did God say that? And, and it's, it's submission, but it's reluctant. The difference in saying God said it and I'm going to do it and God said it and I'm going to figure it out, maybe I'll get there someday. What is the difference in that? And I think the difference is having tried it having walked it out. I think the longer you walk with Christ, you'll see his way is best. He doesn't lie. He doesn't change the plan. And as you do it and it pays off, you're ready to do it again. And so it's hard to tell somebody, God will bless obedience. They're going to have to crash and burn in some disobedience and they're going to have to walk and be blessed in obedience. Um, And and that is glad submission. I don't know why we're so hard-headed and God has to just... (laughs) Teach us all along the way. Glad submission. By the time we get to verse 10, the singer says, you say do it, I'm doing it. This is the way to live. This is how I'm living. God will will bless it. All right, verses 11 and 12. For the sake of your name, O Lord, revive me. In your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. For the sake of your name, O Lord, revive me. In your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. Verse 12. And in your loving kindness, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul. For I am your servant. All right, 11 and 12. Here's here's what the singer says. It's It's really just laying it out. God, you take care of my enemies. God, I'm submitting to you my problems. You take care of them in your mercy and in your righteousness. Now, what that means is God's going to handle those things the right way. He's going to handle your enemies the right way. He's going to handle your troubles the right way. Sometimes we might mess that up. He's come to the point of knowing, 
God will take care of it. God is gracious. God is righteous. I'm bringing this, turning it over to you. The enemies, the problems, all of it, I'm turning it over to you. You are faithful. Once again, it's weird because I can't unsee it. Once again, that's the story of our gospel. You know what? I got a problem, and that problem is sin. And you know what? In the guilt of my sin, I've earned a punishment. And that punishment's death. And you know what? I can't do anything about it. I can't work it off. I can't impress the church. I can't impress God. I've got a problem. And you know what? I can't fix it. But you know what? I have a righteous Savior, and I have a God that is gracious, and I can fight against it, or I can trust him, the God who saved. This is the picture of our gospel. Not going to be saved on our reputation, not going to be saved on our strength, not going to be saved in our own name or ability. Uh, it is the servant, and that's what he calls himself to close it out. You're the boss, you're the Lord, I'm the servant. Uh, my hope is in you, my strength is in you. He turns to God. All right, Song of Lament. I think tough times cause us to see God more correctly and maybe more closely than perhaps good times. And so, you know what? If, if it's a tough time, we say, you know what, God? It's going to be a good thing. We're going to end up walking closely to you and have a better understanding of you. What, a, what an awesome thing that God says. You don't have to pretend everything's all right, and then you can worship. When it's bad, it's worship to worship in the midst of that. That's a song of lament. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll leave this in word of prayer, and we'll be dismissed. Glad you're here tonight. Let's pray. During Father, we come, and we praise you, and we worship you, and we thank you. We exalt you, Lord. We walk. We want to walk with you. We ask that you would teach us your ways, that you would teach us to walk in your will. And I look out here and I see folks that are older. I pray, Lord, that you would show them your will for their years. I, I see folks that are starting off with young families. And I pray, Lord, that they would burn to raise kids in a home in your will. I pray for some that are in the midst of it. I pray, Lord, that we would, we would be excited to walk in the goodness of your will. And I pray, Lord, that you are known in that, that you are pleased in that, that you are glorified in that. Lord, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful that you are righteous and just and holy and gracious and kind and powerful and loving and that you're our Savior God. We worship you for that. Lord, I pray for these gathered in this room. Bless them, encourage them. As we finish up this week, help us to walk with you, look to you. Pray for our kids. Uh, our grandkids, the kids in the youth class, pray for the other adult classes as well. Bless them as well. Grow them as well. We thank you and we praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Glad you were here.